Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. What does a complete ear exam look like? I know as general practitioners that you are very busy in the clinic and it can be daunting every time a dog or a cat comes in for an ear infection to think of doing the complete ear exam. But I promise you, as you get more practice under your belt, it is very easy, quick, time efficient to do a pretty good thorough ear exam in your patients that come in for head shaking or scratching at their ears. And we know otitis is often listed as, you know, the number two, three reason that you are seeing, especially dogs in a general practice, if they're coming in for something besides wellness exams. The other things that studies have shown us is even normal ears and atopic dogs are not normal. We know there's dysbiosis, there tends to be an abundance of certain organisms like Staphylococcus. That isn't true for the diversity that we see in truly a normal dog. So even if an allergic dog comes in, you take a look in the ear, if they're head shaking, bothering it, and you don't see much, there still could be things we need to do to make that pet more comfortable. And it's going to start a lot with history. When you see an ear infection, that's going to be part of the complete ear exam. Just getting some really basic information Is this acute? Have they ever had an ear infection before? Is it chronic? Is this something that's been going on and recurring a lot? Are there other signs that are present? Do they come in for an ear infection, but they also lick and chew their paws? Or do they come in for shaking their head, but they don't do anything else? You know, it's a unilateral ear infection that's acute, but they don't lick and chew other places. Well, then maybe we're thinking something more like a foreign body or an ear mass rather than truly allergic otitis. When you're looking in the ear canal, what type of inflammation or discharge are we seeing? What, where's the location of it? Is it the vertical in the horizontal canal? Is it just one or the other? Is it more deep disease? And of course, we're going to start out with palpating the ear. So I just want to quickly walk through kind of, you know, step by step how I start evaluating an ear. And again, as you do more and more ear exams, you're going to get pretty quick with this. So the first thing I do if I'm evaluating an ear is I palpate it. Because as we've talked about on the podcast before, just because an ear looks really bad, swollen, you can't even look into the entrance of the ear canal doesn't mean we can't salvage it. We can't save it, that it has to go for a tika. It doesn't really matter how swollen and edematous it is, even if you can't see that entrance to the ear canal. What matters is calcification. That is what we cannot reverse, even if we put them on things like oral steroids. So if we have a pet come in, you know, I'm going to gently palpate their ear and see, is it flexible? Is that cartilage pliable? Or do I grab it and it's hard as a rock? Because if it's hard as a rock and it is calcified, and we can think of some of our typical breeds this happens in like a Cocker Spaniel, they are going to be best served through a tika or some sort of surgical intervention because we medically cannot reverse calcification. Now, I've certainly had cases where I have to do my best either because the pet's you know older and they don't want to go through a surgery or financially it's not an option. 
but we can't reverse that calcification and we are going to struggle for the life of that pet if there's calcification and we're trying to medically manage it. So I just want to kind of grab that ear canal again gently just to see if it's calcified or not, you know, because that's going to set myself up for right away knowing is this something I can medically treat or not. So we're going to gently gently palpate both sides of the ear canal if they have two ears and just make that judgment of is this calcified or even if it looks bad, is this pliable? The cartilage has not started turning to calcification bone. Then I'm going to start by looking at the pinna. I think we have a tendency to just flip over the ear and dive right in with our otoscope, but we want to start looking at the pinna really quickly. Again, it doesn't have to be something that takes forever. When I'm flipping it over to look in anyway, I'm going to look at the convex portion. Remember, that's the outside portion of the pinna. And then as I lift it up, depending on the dog or cat, let's say a floppy ear dog, I'm going to lift it up. I'm just going to take a quick look. Does it look normal? Does it have scaling along the edges? Does the actual concave portion, so kind of that whole inner portion of the ear flap, is it like kinified, scaly, really erythematous? We can see pinnal infections and the ear canal itself actually looks pretty good. And that can cause a lot of pets to start shaking their head, to start scratching because of the fact that that pinnal infection, that the skin on the pin is still skin, just like we'd have a pyoderma or a malassezia dermatitis in other places of the body. That pinna is still skin. If it gets infected, it's still really itchy. How are they going to itch? They're going to probably scratch with their foot towards their ear, or they're going to shake their head to alleviate that that feeling. Then we're going to evaluate the opening of the ear canal. And a couple of things I need to think about is, can I even see in there? If it is totally swollen shut, even if it's not calcified, you know, we may not have a lot of success at that appointment actually evaluating it with an otoscope. And if I have cases that are really swollen shut, you know, I'm not going to completely push it because that's ouchy. That is painful for that pet. So we may start out with just sending home five to seven days of steroids and coming back and reevaluating just so we can look into that ear. Yes, I know there's probably infection that we still need to address, but I don't really want that owner stuffing a ear, topical eardrop in that ear anyway or trying to flush those ears if that pet is that uncomfortable and it is swollen shut. So I'm going to look at the pinna, I'm going to palpate, and then I'm going to just evaluate the opening of the ear canal. Is there one? Are we going to get into that ear canal today? Do we need to take a step back, just open up that swelling a bit, and then and then come back and evaluate at a different date, and then also make that pet more comfortable if they go home with the owner and not have them cram medication down an ear canal that might not be accepting of it, because eventually we are going to have to treat that ear infection. And if that pet has learned, uh-uh, you're not getting near my ear because that really hurt the last time you did it. We have just set that owner up for failure versus if we can relieve some of that inflammation, make it so they're more comfortable and then address it, whether you're doing a leave-in product in the clinic or if you're going to have them administer something at home, that's going to be extremely helpful. Then when I know, okay, I'm going to get a scope down that ear. I am going to remember, pull the ear up and out. I know that's hard to just hear me say it and not be able to visually see me make hand motions like I am, but you, the, the, especially the dog ear canal and the cat to some degree is an L shaped ear canal. So some of the biggest mistakes I see when students spend time with me, or if we have an extra nuisance times with us, who's just getting into dermatology is I'll do a scope down a dog's ear. They'll seem totally fine. 
they'll barely get down there and then the dog will jump. And a lot of times it's because that junction of the horizontal and vertical canal, we're jamming a scope down there because we haven't straightened it out. So we want to take that ear canal, we want to pull it up vertically and then out, you know, basically laterally so that we're taking that L and we're straightening it out. So it's a fairly straight shot if you do that assertively enough so you're not running into that junction of the horizontal and the vertical canal. So now I have lifted up and out. I have a you know compliant patient. I'm going to look into that ear canal. What's normal? Well, you may see some small blood vessels in the ear. We don't want them to be dilated and look angry, but you might see some small blood vessels. You may see some mild cerumen. Um, you may see a little bit of earwax, and that can be pretty normal for a pet. But if they're, he- if they're shaking their head, even if it looks pretty normal, I would still personally sample it. You'll be surprised the mild amounts of infection you'll find in some of these cases that might simply choose what ear flush you put them on. And then you can get various amounts of hair. So depending on the breed, there may be just a little bit of hair. There may be a lot of hair. If we get to the level of that eardrum, that tympanum, the hair is almost on the ventral aspect of it. So that can give you kind of a guiding tool if you're doing something like a video otoscopy. Abnormal things for us to see in that canal would be obviously a lot of debris, you know, abnormal debris, whether it's purulent debris, really brown debris that's excessive. You could see a lot of erythema in the canal from the inflammation, prominent ceruminous glands, stenosis. We're going to go through that vertical canal first, and then hopefully we're pulling pretty straight. So then we're going to get to the horizontal canal and you can get differences in the debris, the amount of debris, what type of debris, even the infections between the horizontal and vertical canal. So you want to note if there's any big differences. Then we're hoping, and you know, very much depends on the tolerance of that pet, how much debris is in the way, how much swelling is present. But then our hope is to be able to see the tympanic membrane. There's two parts of tympanic membrane, the pars flaccida and the pars tensa. And then you'll also see the maneuvering of the malleus, which is that little bone kind of comma-shaped structure that you can see actually in the eardrum itself. Now, if you are dealing with a pet that's wiggly or a little bit of debris in there, it may be hard to visualize all of these structures, but you want to see if you notice there is at least a tympanic membrane present or not. And it sounds simple, but sometimes that can be really difficult. You know, even in some of these ruptured eardrums, the bulla, which if you look straight past the eardrum, you could see the bulla, the bone there. It can also look translucent and white, right? It's usually... For someone like a dermatologist, we feel a bit more confident if we see a ruptured eardrum, but there have been ones that I'm not quite sure because the pet's moving or I have a little visualization through my handheld scope and the bullet also is kind of a, you know, opaque translucent white. Um, so it can be really difficult to tell. And sometimes I go into a videotoscopy and I'm not exactly sure, um, if the white I saw was an eardrum or part of the bulla, if they're really moving around a lot. So we make our best guess that hopefully it's present, but sometimes it can be difficult to tell. The other thing that can happen is there can be little micro tears in the tympanum. So when we look at the tympanum and evaluate it, there could be tiny little micro tears that are not really that visible without the use of something like a video otoscopy unit. So we definitely want to know or have our best guess of the tympanum's intact or not when we're selecting certain ear medications. But I also need to realize that tympanum, looking at that, it is a moment in time. So just because you look in the ear canal and see an intact tympanum today, tomorrow the dog could shake their head and all of a sudden rupture it. 
So of course we want to be cautious about some of the medications we're using, but there's always a, a chance that they could rupture it. There's micro tears we can't see. And so that's just something that we have to be familiar with. And then you're not going to be evaluating the actual middle ear itself, right? Like you're going to see about the level of the tympanic membrane. Even our video otoscope does not go, you know, past into the bullet itself. But you just look at the health of the tympanic membrane, make sure the pet's not showing us any signs of middle ear disease, you know, that they're not having Horner syndrome, they're not circling, they're not showing us neurologic symptoms. To really truly evaluate that middle ear, we would utilize something like a CT scan. You can try to do things like skull radiographs, but it can be very, very difficult to actually evaluate the skull with radiographs because of all the superimposition of other structures in that area. Usually if we need to evaluate something like the tympanic bulla, or sorry, the bulla itself, the middle ear, then we're going to utilize CT scans. The other thing I want to bring up about uh, the complete ear exam is your scope. So we want to make sure we have a decent scope with a good light source and using that little magnification tool that you can kind of flip down when you're evaluating the ear canal. You don't want to have poor light. So if you need to change batteries, you can get some that attached to the wall, though I think those are difficult to use in veterinary medicine because our patients don't sit still, but you want to make sure you have a really good light source. And part of the complete ear exam in some of these pets is sedation. You know, they're, they can be uncomfortable. They may be head shy if they've dealt with chronic ear infections. So sometimes we do have to use sedation so we can better look into the ear canal. It is something we're using to diagnose. Do we have suggestions of something like a mass? Do, could there be a foreign body in the ear? Is this really just allergic otitis? And so using something like, you know, we use a lot of Dextormator. Of course, you could use something like Dextormator with Torb. There's lots of different sedation protocols out there. But the purpose is to help keep them still so we can more appropriately evaluate into that ear canal. Also, to improve visualization, besides putting them on something like steroids if needed for a little bit, we might need to flush them out in the clinic so we can see a bit better. If I get a unilateral otitis and I think there might be a mass and there's a lot of debris in there, well, if the pet's comfortable with it and if they're not super swollen, we will try to flush some of that debris out, not so much from a therapeutic stance, but from a diagnostic stance of getting that complete ear exam, of being able to look deeper, see if we notice a primary issue that could be causing these ear infections so that we can better serve that patient in that owner. So I know it sounds tedious, but again, if you're seeing them in the clinic, you know, quick palpation, flip over the ear flap, the pinna, visualize if it looks normal or not. Take your otoscope. Is the entrance pretty open to where we can put an otoscope down the ear? Great. Pull up and out. Look in that vertical canal. Make it to the horizontal canal. Do your best job to evaluate the tympanic membrane. Is it intact? Is it bulging? Is it a weird color? Um, Any of those things. And if you're struggling, we could always consider something like sedation or having the pet come back. So As a complete ear exam, it's really important that we're visualizing the things we need to visualize. We don't want to just say, oh, you're shaking your head. Here's your ear medication. We want to actually look into that ear canal and get a better idea of what's going on. And though I know general practice is very, very busy, it is something you can learn to do very quickly as you're talking to owners and evaluating the ear canals. And it is extremely important. So we can look for changes in the ear canal. We can look for other pathologies in the ear canal, and we can put them on the appropriate treatment course. 